I've been preparing for a show at Wild Goose Festival next week in the Smoky Mountains outside of Asheville, North Carolina. If you're around, it's Saturday at 1. I'll be presenting my experiences with ketchup, Christians, and China, attempting to infer some sort of direction of America's spiritual future. Getting ready for this has given me a chance to listen to shows produced over the last year. Farming God has changed quite a bit, right along with my curiosity. The show has taken a ton of different formats, like the highly produced short stories, abstract fiction pieces, and of course, the long-form interviews with poets, priests, monks, megachurch pastors, post-pastors, communists, social activists, and even the cycling instructor at my YMCA, desperately searching for some sort of direction. In their own ways, these guests have reiterated something Joseph Campbell wrote over 40 years ago. What we are searching for is not a meaning of life, but a way to experience it. One of these pathways, according to Farming God guests, Mirabai Star, is through prayer and meditation. Yeah, John of the Cross was a Carmelite, and he was imprisoned by his own brethren, by the Carmelite brothers, um, because of his involvement with Teresa of Avila's reform movement. Teresa of Avila was trying to reform the Carmelite order that, that had spun out into total materialism and um, consumerism, and they had nothing to do with their original ideals, their contemplative ideals of silence and solitude and voluntary simplicity. Like Francis of Assisi, voluntary simplicity and deep personal inner connectedness with God, not through the all the prescribed prayers and authority figures. All you have to do to be with your beloved is sit quietly, close your eyes, and turn your attention inward to the center of your soul. That's what she called the interior castle. Yes. And that is where the beloved abides, and you just making time and space to quietly sit there is is the greatest act of devotion and also um, healing for your for your tired, weary soul. You can hear more of Mirabai at the episodes titled Meditations Part One and Two. To complement her contemplative introspection, I spoke with community organizer and Vanderbilt professor. Rosemarie and Jorg Rieger. Here's a brief preview. Class inequality is so easy to forget about because it informs our entire worldview. If the idea of class structure is too abstract of an idea, it can be for me sometimes. Here's a little concrete fact for you. There are eight individuals that have as much wealth as 42% of American families. There are eight individuals that have as much wealth as 42% of American families. There are eight individuals that have as much wealth as 42% of American families. There are eight individuals that have as much wealth as 42% of American families. There are eight individuals that have as much wealth as 42% of American families. There are eight individuals that have as much wealth as 42% of American families. <laughs> Need I say more? This episode's titled Beyond Activism. There's more content than just that song.
To accompany activism, author and Christian shaman, Iris Bolton recognizes our desire to belong. I believe that the young people today are searching. I don't think most of them go for the traditional religion like you were talking about. It's too controlling, confining perhaps, although some do love it, and I respect that. But I think there are other young people who are searching, and it's quite a remarkable thing to watch these young people finding out about Peruvian shamanism, for example, and saying, that's what I've been looking for all my life. Like somebody else might find yoga (laughs) or something, but it, it helps them. We all want to belong. We all need to belong to something greater than ourselves. We are mirrors of one another. What I admire in you is the potential in me. What you admire in me is the potential in you. We're looking to learn and grow from not only being with others, but from our environment. Here's emergent post-pastor Rick Diamond. For young adults, my experience with them and what they talk about has been, don't try and sell me something. Let me experience something. I need to be in community or I need to be in silence. Uh, I I want quiet. I want to just be able to be quiet. And also, don't tell me what to do. Uh, I hear young adults talking about nature being a big God trigger for them. Um, The body, however they can connect to their physical presence in a way that's meaningful, whether it's yoga or exercise or hiking or sex or being close to other people, food, the connection between body and soul is important. I need to do hot yoga. Not yoga. Yeah. Hot, you know, Crank I need to up, nearly baby. have a heart attack. Epitomizing this connection between body and soul is a Sunday morning dance community known as Ecstatic Dance. What a way to supercharge your Sunday morning, you know? What a way to supercharge any morning. What a way to supercharge a human. <laughs> like... It's Sunday morning. The roads are a bit busy with churchgoers about going to and fro. It's 1048. But I'm not going to church. I'm going to dance. And I'm not the only one. For over 20 years, a radical group of Austin Texans have been skipping the church donuts for a Sunday morning rave. So we just pulled into a warehouse area of East Austin. I hope we can find it. Here we go. I open the double doors to an expansive warehouse, floored with concrete and surrounded by steel siding. Two fans the size of semi-trucks hum through the air above. The room is swarming with 50, maybe 100 people jumping and dancing wildly. And this is only the warm-up. Soon after, the music stops, and everyone gathers in a circle on a padded surface the size of a basketball court. A woman with grayish-white hair, dressed like she was about to go on her Sunday walk, enters the center. She declares the rules. Number one, no talking. Number two, you are responsible for your body. She demonstrates a few dance moves by flailing her arms and reminds everyone that looking cool is not the point. With her points made, she sneaks behind the DJ booth and initiates the celebration. A 
shirtless man low crawls across the floor. Others take to the floor as if they are entering a new world, a world that resembles Avatar. I keep to myself off to the side, probably feeling a bit like Jesse did the first time he came. The first time that I came here, I was really awkward, and I felt like shy, and I didn't know anybody. And I saw all these people that were like rolling on each other in like groups of like two to five, and they were doing really weird things with their bodies that I hadn't really seen before. This space is like a sandbox, a practice for following my desire. Slow, rolling, ambient music flows for several songs and builds to a jumpy, aerobic rhythm. I'm dancing now, I guess I can call it dancing. Here's Cole, one of the shirtless, low-crawling men from the first song. The people that it doesn't resonate with, those people get freaked out and leave. But like the people that don't get freaked out, like they're like, whoa, they realize that something's happening to them, that they're like, what the fuck, it's, it's tribal. It's really tribal. It's something that we've lost as humans today. And this is a place to go back to that tribal dance. Not everyone is dancing. To the side, people are eating watermelon, reading, and just sitting around. Back on the floor, men are dancing with men. Women are pulling and pushing men. People are lifting children, old guys tapping their feet. There's a sweaty shirtless guy spinning me for the third time, and I don't mind it. The music returns to a slow pulse, stops, and everyone sits quiet for two minutes. After the two-hour service, I spoke with a few of the congregants as we loitered outside. This, I mean, this is what that, what I want, what I would want from church if I were, I mean, I'm not dogmatic enough for church. This is what I would want. This is church. I don't go to church, but I'm a spiritual person, and it's like, it's kind of kind of my church, I guess, Sunday morning thing. Yeah, man, this is, this is my church. Every Sunday I'm here. <laughs> this, is, this is the funnest church I've ever been to. This is the most fun I've had at church ever. <laughs> if we're calling this church, I will be. Sign me up. <laughs> well, this is about church. This is it, man. Love. You can't beat love. And in their moments just like these, dancing in a well-dressed crowd. A theology that boils down to love. Could this be the church of the future? I'm Steve Ray, and this is the Farming God Podcast. Subscribe and rate on iTunes at Farming God and on Twitter at Steve Ray. Studio music by Paul Spring. Thanks to the Austin Ecstatic Dance Community for being so loving. I spent half of 2016 traveling to China and producing a three-part series on Christian China. Here's the teaser. Assume that you're being listened to, um, and then respond accordingly. Just be careful the kind of people you're talking to, because a lot of people are spies for the government. You never know who is a spy. Good morning, ICF. Good morning. I love Unity Sunday. Do you love Unity Sunday? Yes. My name is Steve Ray. For the past several months, I've been covering the largest religious conversion the world has ever seen. 
Christianity in China. It is a story that is confusing yet oddly familiar. It's littered with corruption, persecution, perseverance, and characters like James Morrison, a 19th century missionary. And on his way across the Pacific, the captain of the ship, a sort of very gruff American uh, seaman, said, uh, Mr. Morrison, do you think you're going to have any impact on the idolatry of the great Chinese empire? To which Morrison famously replied, no, sir, but I think God will. There are the illegal underground churches. This is just like, this is a strange just a strange place. And the next generation of Chinese youth. I want you to turn and talk to your partner and tell them if you think there is a God or no God. This is a story that reaches much further than the Christian movement occurring in China. If history is indeed cyclical, China's rapid conversion to Christianity has the potential to completely alter the global balance of power. Coming out late November, a series from the podcast Farming God on the final merchants traveling the Silk Road, bringing with them the most dangerous commodity yet, Christianity, west, on the road back to Jerusalem. You can subscribe now and learn more on farminggod.com. Scroll down to past episodes and you can hear parts one, two, and three of Christian China and the End of Times, the full series. As we glide into month seven of 2017, I appreciate the mental flexibility of Farming God listeners. 2017 is off to a much different start including interviews with a communist, farm church priests, and several nonfiction short stories, new episodes every week. I'll keep telling stories, but I'd like Farming God to be more of a conversation. I have a few plans in the works. You can stay in the loop by signing up for the newsletter at farminggod.org. I promise it's painless. Mm-hmm.